0: Listener
1: production. A huge Thursday edition of your Footy Talk podcast as all roads lead to the MCG tonight for the first final with the Pies taking on the Dees. We'll be talking about that with superstar ex-Blue Bryce Gibbs. Plus, for the Blues fans, we take a trip down memory lane as we get Nick Diagon on to discuss the last time the Blues were in the finals. Huge edition Footy Talk podcast coming up next. Footy Talk podcast time, your daily dose of footy, latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. Spring has sprung and finals footy is here. We will at some point preview the big game tonight between the Pies and the Demons. But a real treat for me, an old teammate of mine from the Blue Baggers who is as excited as every other Blues fan, all the way from Adelaide, Mr. Bryce Gibbs. Hello and welcome uh, good morning, Daisy. How are you, buddy? Good to speak to you. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you for coming on. I'm going terrifically, thank you. Uh, talk to me, mate. How are you going? Because you actually hung the boots up last weekend and you are no more playing the great game of footy at
2: the highest-ish level. Yeah, that's right. Uh, retired for the second time. Obviously, hung them up uh, at AFL level a couple of years ago and have been uh, cutting my teeth in the sand full still. So, Washed up, still trying to hang on a little bit. Uh, grinded another three years out with uh, the South Adelaide Panthers. So, um, yeah, that came to an end uh, a couple of weeks ago. And and fittingly against uh, my junior side, who I, I played, 30 odd games for in in the Glenelg Tigers. My old man, a couple hundred games there as well. So, um, opted not to to go back there and play as it worked out. But, uh, yeah, fitting to uh, play against them and and play at Glenelg Oval, which uh, I've uh, had a lot of uh, amazing memories as a kid. So, um, yeah, it's all done and dusted, which I'm pretty happy about, to be honest.
1: What is it with you Gibbses, Gibbs eyes, or just Gibbses, with the last game doing something really weird. So I saw a vision of you playing on from full back and launching a drop kick that went the best part of 50 metres. There's the first part. But also, didn't your old man do something really rogue when he was coming in to kick his 100th goal or in his last game, something along those lines?
2: Yeah. He, unfortunately, he's been known to go rogue a little bit on the footy field over, <laughs> over his footy journey. And... Uh, yeah, you're right. He, Him and uh, one of his teammates, they, in the 1985 grand final, I think it was, they said if they were winning by a, a fair margin, they would do drop kicks in that game. So as it played out, they were about 10 goals up in the last quarter and he, uh, he ran out from fullback and, and kicked a drop kick. And uh, I was at his house uh, in the morning handing over <laughs> the kids uh, as he brings the kids to, to the games. Um, and I said to him, look, depending on the result um, and how it's going I might pay you a little bit of a tribute so so keep an eye out for it and, and sure enough we're actually about you know, 50 points down at that stage and um, yeah, I was a little bit cheeky and snuck down to, to full back as a midfielder uh, the, the alarm bells were going off when uh, when I took a kick in um, and I've waltzed out there and, and kicked this drop kick in uh, in honour of him so uh, the, the, cr- <laughs> the crowd in that pocket sort of noticed it straight away and erupted it was pretty funny and uh yeah, the things uh, the things you do in the moment, Daisy, <laughs> which we absolutely love. Did
1: your old man kick a goal with his pants off or something, and it cost him
2: <laughs> kicking a hundred? Ah, yeah. The, the stories get bigger and better as the years go on. But yeah, there's. Uh... There's an old war story of him on 99 goals uh, in his last game in the country. He wanted to – he attempted to kick his 100th in the nude. Um, <laughs> but but uh, in taking his shirt off, uh, the umpire actually sent him off uh, oh. and was left uh, on 99 goals for the year. So red carded. See you later, mate. You can't do that. A bit of carry on uh, as you'd expect. Come on, umpire. A bit of sense of theatre <laughs> or something, although probably not allowed to get nude on the footy field. That might be indecently
1: exposure you played a lot of sandful footy most of it though as a really young buck i remember when you're 16 17 that all the talk around this superstar phenomenon that is bryce gibbs was you must watch 40 plus possessions every week how old were you when it started and how'd you go dealing with all that hype before
2: you eventually got taken pick one yeah, now that I you know, sort of can sit back and, and reflect on it a little bit, it was pretty. It was a pretty crazy time, and obviously being in in Adelaide. Um the, obviously a really rich footy state um, there, there was a lot of media hype around it and yeah I was lucky enough to, to play about 30 games of, of senior footy before I got drafted and and that was just due to being uh, you know at my high school we didn't have a, a footy team where a lot of the, the colleges uh, and teams around Glenelg um, you have to prioritise your school footy so I didn't have that um, that sort of hurdle that, that I had to, had to play for my school so I was able to, to you know the Glenelg weren't going that well either at the time, so uh, I got a, I got an opportunity pretty early on. I think I was 16 when I, when I made my league debut and, um, as I said, got, got a few games under my belt, which, uh, which, like looking back, I think that held me in really good stead you know, as, as a stepping stone leading into the AFL, playing uh, against men, mature bodies, um, some some guys that had been in the AFL system already and were back in the sand So so... Um, it was a really tough competition back then as well. So, yeah, I think getting that 30 games uh, as a, a young kid uh, before you know, getting drafted was uh, was hugely beneficial. From
1: memory, there was even over here a heap of media and buzz. When you look at someone like a Harley Reid and what he's going through this year, the amount of speculation, the talk about... You know, the North Melbourne should have lost the Gold Coast and why did West Coast beat the Western Bulldogs? What do you read into that? What's, what would a kid like he be feeling with all this hype and
2: pressure? Well, it depends on the individual, I suppose, and, and I remember there was sort of similar talk back then, you know, the Bryce Gibbs Cup, and, and oh, the, yeah. then Carlton even, v. Essendon. even after I'd been at the Blues for a year, the Matt Cruiser Cup, you know, the last game of the, the season, uh, Melbourne and, and Carlton, whoever lost, you know, ended up with the, the number one pick, so some funny things went on that day, That uh, that's probably <laughs> just a few stories for another day, but... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's always going to be speculation and 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 chat around it, and it just depends on the individual, I suppose. Some guys can can take it in their stride and and sort of block it out and just get on with it, and, and some guys it actually does affect them. So I don't I don't know Harley uh, from a bar of soap, but um, you know, hopefully he's he's handling it all right, and and the, you know there is certainly pressure there, and. Uh, if he does end up going the number one pick, that, that comes with a bit of extra pressure and, and added um, added responsibilities, I suppose. But um, I'm sure the, the kids that, that are coming through the system these days are, are well-prepared, well-educated, uh, and are in a lot better position to step into you know the... The scrutiny and, and the environment sometimes that the AFL can throw up um, better than they ever have been especially you know better than when when I first or and you probably did uh, walked in the system you know 20 odd years ago. What
1: about another kid that you've had a fair bit to do with who's dealing with that Jason Horn Francis you've somewhat mentored him through a little bit of that time when he was playing Sandfull you must be getting a great buzz out of what he's currently doing at Port.
2: Yeah, yeah I am. Uh, I've been really proud of the way he's handled uh yeah the last 12 months. Obviously he's come under the pump a, a little bit with a few of his decisions and Were you still um, speaking
1: to him throughout that time?
2: Yeah, bits and pieces, yeah. bits and pieces. I mean, I you, he would have had every man and his dog trying to reach out for support, which is fantastic. And uh, I just sort of, you know, left him alone from time to time. But, yeah, he's a terrific kid. Uh, um, Got a lot of respect for him. He's from a great family, uh, really respectful, really, really humble. And, um, yeah, he's made some decisions and and he's ended up back here uh, a little bit earlier than I thought he would anyway, but uh, I think we've seen in some of his performances this year that he's, he's really settled back here now. He's really comfortable and uh, you know playing in the midfield with a couple of superstars in, in Rosie and Butters and he's obviously learning off still the old guys with Trav Bok and Ollie Wines. His footy's just going to continue to get better and better and, and I reckon he's a real smoky to have a real big say in this final series if Port Adelaide were to go on and, and go deep in, into September. So um, I'm really, really excited and and uh, been enjoying his journey so far. I
1: love how modest you are when the cameras are rolling and you're not claiming that you single-handedly got him drafted and changed his career path by getting him back to port. Story for another day, that is. What about in your first year? So we've spoken a little bit about your transition from playing Sample straight into the AFL, pick one, more expectation. But then you go to the Blues, obviously a side that was down the bottom of the ladder for a, a fair period of time there, and you're thrust straight into a leadership position. You're given the number four after Sticks, who's a club legend. That to me seems like so much pressure to be heaped on such a a young kid at the time.
2: It was uh, it was a strange time. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, I hadn't played obviously a game. let alone um you know seeing myself as a leader of a football club uh, and I, I was more of i think looking back it was more of a publicity stunt potentially dennis pagan was the coach at the time and and he was sort of coming to the to the end um the, the Carlton obviously had been struggling and and maybe it was a bit of a publicity stunt to give some some hope to the members uh to that the you know that Carlton can can start climbing the ladder obviously Mark Murphy was the number one pick the 12 months before me so we were put in the leadership group um it was a little bit strange and like I'm I've walked into this club the first thing you want to do is is build relationships and, and earn the respect of your teammates and I've you know i got Probably half of them thinking, "Geez, who's this kid come in? Stepped in straight in the leadership group." Um, I, I was lucky enough to I was playing every week as well, even though we were getting we were getting smacked, and I wasn't probably playing well enough to to probably hold my spot in the side um, for, for the whole year. There's no doubt if I was in uh, most other sides in that year in the competition, I probably would have had a spell in, in the VFL uh, for a couple of weeks. But uh, I got it given a lot of opportunity in those first couple of years, which, again, you, you need a bit of luck as well in this game. But, um, yeah, looking back, it was, uh, it was a, a strange time.
1: It's certainly been a long road for the Blues to get to where they are now. Do you watch on this weekend with excitement, trepidation? You know, you've played some time at the Crows as well, but I assume you're firmly in the Blues camp on this one. How will you go watching it?
2: I've worked out, as the years have gone on, especially since I've retired, um, the first year or two I wasn't too bad as a a supporter and and just watching the games, but I have found myself, as they've climbed the ladder and, and, you know, obviously last year, fell short uh, in a couple of games I, I found myself getting really <laughs> like everyone else I suppose you know really invested in the result and um, and, and how the boys were performing from week to week and, and it's been no different this year um, and you know it is special to, to watch them go really well uh, a lot of that cr- uh, Crop were drafted when I was still there. When you talk about Weedering um Mackay, so th- there's still um, a lot of players that uh, I played with and and had relationships with and, and still have relationships with till to, to this day. So to see him actually going really well and and playing back uh, on the big stage on the MCG uh, this week will be will be great. Um, still a sneaky chance to to get over for it. Might jump in the car tomorrow. Whoa. Uh, and Drive make across. Uh, a little uh, 24-hour trip because uh, I'm getting FOMO already knowing that uh, <laughs> over the next couple of weeks uh, I might be missing out. So um, I'll do my best to get over there.
1: Uh, I'm sure like all Blues fans, you will be a touch more anxious once that first ball is bounced. Hey, mate, stick around because after the break, we're going for a trip down memory lane as we get on the phone with Nick Diagon and get him to run us through his four-goal performance after sitting in the stands, eating pies, drinking beers, whatever the story goes, the last time the Blues were in finals. This is the Footy Talk Podcast. Welcome back to the Footy Talk Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, hit the bell. Bryce Gibbs being good enough to hang around, but also joining us now, a man who single-handedly carried the Blues on his back <laughs> way back in 2013 in a final against the Tigs. Nick Digan is here. Diags, welcome, buddy. Daisy,
0: Bryce, how you going? Thanks, baby.
1: Now, Diags, we need to just kick straight off. Dave Hughes was on this show on Tuesday saying his favourite finals memory was of you sitting in the stand somewhere way up in the Ponsford stand having a pie, and then all of a sudden you get the late call up, somebody goes out, and you come in. Run us through that one.
0: Yeah, it's changed shape over the years, that story, actually. It's been, you know, it's been a pie, it's been a Jim Beam can in the stands, it's been all sorts of things. Um, uh, I can't even remember where I was when I think it was just still in the change rooms underneath because the, obviously the game hadn't started. Um, they hadn't, I don't know, called the final teams, and. Uh, me and Davey Ellard, I think, were just hanging out downstairs um, waiting to be told that we could go upstairs. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting how it all panned out. Uh, who came out? Uh, Brock McLean. So I think I think he might have been a late in uh, for that game. I can't remember, actually. But I, I reckon he
2: did his quad in the warm-up from memory, something like that.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, so I remember... Um, you know, just standing on the on the boundary line as the stadium was filling up on a bright sunny Sunday afternoon, um, and I just remember saying to to Davey next to me, "Geez, mate, I reckon one of us is going to play. What a beautiful day to footy! Wouldn't you love to be out there?" It just felt like a travesty of justice that we weren't, you know, get an opportunity to run out. Um, and then it was probably only about 15 minutes later that we got the, that I got the nod.
1: That was, of course, the last time the Blues made finals. Before we deep dive into that game in the final series, the lead into actually making the finals was really bizarre, Gibbsy. You guys finished ninth. you had a good win late in the year and and then what unfolded, unfolded.
2: What was that like in Clubland? So technically it's been longer than 10 years since we actually made the final. <laughs> cause legitimately you're right, won. You're right. We <laughs> did finish ninth that year and uh, made it by default, but... Um, I remember, well, we, we traveled to Port Adelaide. We played, well, I think it was the last game at, uh, the old Amy Stadium. So, um, you know, obviously for me and Nick being, uh, from South Australia and playing there, um, playing the last game there was, was special in itself, but we actually had to still win that game to, to finish well, ninth. Um, and, and we won by a point and I think we were 30 to 40 points down late in that. Uh, third quarter I think it was so uh, it was nearly all over um, anyway but uh, I still remember that game as just as memorable as, as the following week um, falling falling into the finals and, and obviously a similar sort of game being down in the second quarter to to Richmond and, and coming back in and winning that so um, probably those back-to-back weeks the, the Port Adelaide game winning by a point and then the, that Elimination final against Richmond are probably two of the best wins uh, I've ever been in playing for the Blues.
1: Dogs, were you playing in the Port game?
0: Yep, yep. I was. Uh, I think I was sub in that game. I think since that time the sub has gone back out and back into the game. But um, those were the days of the sub. So I came on at halftime, um, and I think I played in the middle after that. Uh, yeah, and that's when we um, <laughs> that's when we got going. <laughs> I came on. It. Nah, um, but uh, it was a really good second half from us, and there's um, yeah. We were a good, close uh, group of teammates and um felt like a really uh, good occasion for us.
1: You single-handedly came on in that game and changed it, as you say, after half time. But then, so you've had your pie or whatever you've had in the stands that now this story goes, but then you come out and you end up just lighting the MCG on fire. Can you run us through, I think you kicked four, can you run us through all of those goals?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, just one of those days, you know, when I, you know, Um, happens sometimes you don't do anything different necessarily but the ball just falls in your lap sometimes Um, so the first one uh, i think eddie was in the pocket and it was unlike eddie eddie actually he probably could have had a snap probably would have got it um, but uh, chose a short short pass inside just they were all kind of relegation shots you know inside kind of 30 40 meters on not much of an angle so it was you know I, i got some favors done for me there
2: well, you played most of your footy down back, I reckon, in that year, didn't you, Dog? So to be thrown forward, it was, a, it was a pretty good effort to come out and kick four on just about the biggest stage in football. So um, yeah. I think you surprised all of us that day.
0: Yeah, yeah, me included. I think I think my job really was just to make sure I, I was like a defensive job on Deledio, just try not to let him kind of run off half back too much. Um, and there was there was one time when one of the marks that I got, you know, it surprised both of us. So we were both falling back. Um, kind of arm-in-arm, and somehow I ended up with it. And he, he's just said, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, me too, mate. I didn't see that coming.
1: Dogs, you're far too modest in this area. This is a chance to say, yeah, I tore this game apart. I was one-on-one. On one. I used my brute strength, put out of one hand like I'd done many times before.
0: Yeah, well, I think the story keeps kind of growing legs over the years, so I keep telling people now that it was eight goals, not four.
1: And then after that, so you win that game, you go through and then you go up to Sydney, which in a nice bit of synergy, if you will, is the Blues opponent this year now that they are in finals. That was at. ANZ Stadium or Stadium Australia was it not?
2: Yeah from memory it was and we played them in a a finals campaign a a few years before that so yeah they moved the game from the MCG to ANZ Stadium so uh, always tough to play Sydney in Sydney especially through that period and I think they had us covered for for most of the day that day so um, yeah that miracle run come to an end pretty quickly but uh, yeah it uh, it was unusual circumstances to get there in the first place. Did you kick four that day, Dogs? What happened?
0: No, nah, I must have been too defensively minded. I don't even know that I got a touch actually that week, to be honest. We'll come crashing down after that.
1: <laughs> what are we making of the Blues uh, this year, but also in tomorrow night's big clash again against Sydney? You guys are the, the Blue running through your blood, if you will. Give us your best one-sided view of what's going to happen.
0: I reckon they're... Uh... I mean, I haven't been um, too closely watching it. I imagine that, you know, you and Bryce are probably a better, better place to speak to it. But um, the bits that I've seen, uh, yeah, when they're playing some fast attacking footy, they're just good to watch. Um, I'm sure, you know, everyone's talking about Charlie and how great he is. Um, and, uh, yeah, he can just do amazing things. He's just spectacular to watch. So um, hoping that the game is fast-flowing enough for, for it to get in there for him with some one-on-ones. And then I think if that's the case, he'll take a few clunks. Um I'm hoping also that that my old mate Ed Kernow, gets a gig. Uh, I'm not sure if the teams have been announced yet, but uh, yeah, he's probably the, the the last guy standing from the the years where I was back playing. So I'm hoping that Ed's getting a game as well.
2: Boot, what are you? Are you scared? Are you nervous? No, nah, I'm 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 quietly confident. Uh, I think um, what they've done you know, through that 11 game or 13 game win streak uh, that they went on. Um, Uh, the back end of the season, uh, it all started around the the contest. Uh, We know the the big bulls they've got in there and and Sydney, uh, to be fair, are really good in that space as well but uh, I just think uh, they're hitting their straps at the right time of the year. I think they've got a good blend of of defence and offence at the moment. I think there was a stat at one stage saying they were the number one offensive team and the number one defensive team for a four or five week period there and uh, as we know, finals footy it's all won and lost around the contest, around the cold face. So uh, when when Cripper and um, Cheras get it, got a, a game back under his belt, Walsh as well you know, providing a bit of run on the outside. Um, I think they're they're prime and cherry ripe. And a lot of people have spoken about the experience. Obviously, haven't had m- much experience uh, of finals. And Sydney obviously playing in a grand final last year. I don't think that'll worry them. They're uh, they've got some some big game players, some players who are born to play finals footy that haven't tasted that yet, and, and they'll be thriving at that opportunity and I think the Blues will will win comfortably
1: what's the margin give me a margin both of you Uh, I'm going to say five goals 30 odd points for you Dykes I think he's frozen (laughs) <laughs> uh, in true Dykes fashion he's just opted out at the right time hey Gibber fantastic to see you again all the best with your work over there dominating the media and Dykes if you can hear me we appreciate you coming on to tell us your story this has been the footy talk podcast coming up tomorrow you'll have Joey and Jack Hevron previewing the massive clash that is Carlton and the Crows have yourselves a wonderful weekend this has been the footy talk podcast
0: Listener.